I'm Lisa Mullins, and this is The World. Gandhi made the simple spinning wheel the icon of his revolution, and that legacy continues to this day. The garment industry is the second largest industry in India after agriculture and employs some 35 million people. Many American T-shirts are made in the Indian state of Tamil Nadu. The place is home to thousands of garment factories and cotton spinning mills. As the industry has grown, the spinning mills have moved from cities to rural areas where labor is cheap and plentiful, and it's brought employment to some of the poorest communities on earth, but at a cost. Michael May reports from the village of Raja Kopati. Chitra Davi was 17 years old when she went to work in the mills. She's now 21. Chitra has dark, serious eyes and wears a ruby sari. She lives in the village of Raja Kopati, a tangle of small concrete homes, dirt paths, and colorful Hindu shrines. Unlike many rural girls, Chitra went to high school, graduating from 10th grade. But then, she says, her father, an electrician, hurt his leg and had to stop working. Chitra says the wounds on her father's leg were slow to heal, and the medical bills piled up. So she quit school and went to work in a nearby spinning mill. On her first day of work, Chitra signed a contract. She didn't read it, and it turned out she'd unwittingly agreed to what's known as the Sumangali scheme. Sumangali means happily married woman in Tamil. Under the contract, the mill withholds a portion of a girl's paycheck each month with the promise that after four years it will be returned as a lump sum for her dowry, usually between $500 and $1,000. Dowries are technically illegal in India, but they're still prevalent. Sumangali appeals to poor families who struggle to save money, but it comes with strict conditions. She says she couldn't take any time off. She routinely worked 12, sometimes 16 hours. Her take-home pay was around $2 a day, less than the minimum wage. The mill was stifling, and the long hours often left her nauseous and feverish. But she says the mill wouldn't let her take a sick day. A nurse there would give her a shot and send her back to work. Still, Chitra says she had it better than girls who traveled long distances to work. Those girls lived in a hostel run by the mill. Chitra says they were rarely allowed out, and never without a chaperone. Even phone calls were monitored. And if a girl left before her Smongli contract was up, she'd lose all the money. It seems like a form of indentured servitude. The Smongli scheme is a fairly recent phenomenon. Before India's economy began booming in the 1990s, most mills were like this government-run factory in the city of Coimbatore. The factory pays decent wages, has the latest equipment, and it's open and airy. But this mill survives on government subsidies. Most other urban mills closed years ago. In their place, many have sprung up in rural areas, where land and labor are cheap. Ramesh is an activist at the local nonprofit Save, based in Tirupur. He says rural families are often happy to send their daughters to work in the mills. Normally, the male child will go for a school. So they prefer girl children to get employed somewhere to support the family. He says parents insist on their daughters living in hostels with tight security to minimize the risk they will elope or become pregnant. And the mills have exploited the situation. They prefer these girls because they are unmarried and they don't demand anything. They are submissive in nature. In 2010, a Dutch newspaper ran an expose about Sumangali that provoked an outcry by Western activists and consumers. The article singled out a mill in Tamil Nadu that worked with the budget fashion brand H&M. 
Linda Johansson of H&M visited the mill to encourage the owners to end sumongoli. She says H&M only cuts off a supplier as a last resort because that rarely changes anything. So we gave this company、um, the opportunity to give them a period of time to change the system if they wanted to. The mill refused, so H&M took its business elsewhere. Many multinational brands have tried to get sumongoli out of their supply chain, but it persists for several reasons. For one, the mills only sell about 30% of their cotton to name brands with factories in India. The rest is sold to Indian companies or exported to places like China or Bangladesh. Again, H&M's Johansson. I visited spinning mills myself, where I was told that you know if you come here and ask too many questions or have too many demands, we will just increase our portion of the business for export or for the domestic markets. In other words, it's going to take more than an outcry from Western consumers who like their clothes cheap, fashionable, and politically correct. NGOs and brands have formed roundtables with labor unions, government officials, and mill associations to tackle the issue, but it's been difficult even to reach agreement on the scope of the problem. Salvaraju is head of Saima, the oldest mill association in southern India. He sits in his office in the industrial city of Coimbatore and clicks through photos of what he says is a typical hostel. So this is the dormitory where the girls、uh, live, you know, inside. This is lady security. They will not allow others to get in. They yard computer education. It's impossible to verify how typical it is. The mills have stopped letting journalists or NGOs visit the hostels. Even government officials only make sporadic inspections. Salvaraju says Saima enforces strict guidelines among its members. He points out that some mills give workers the choice to work for monthly wages, but the girls insist on the Sumangali scheme. He calls it a superannuation fund. They want to have savings. They want to save whatever they earn. What they do is, if you give it as a monthly wages, my parents will take it and they will spend it. If you give it as a you know superannuation fund, then I'll have a sizable amount which will help me to you know settle. Salvaraju maintains that overall the mills have improved the lives of young workers. Without money for a dowry, he says. Poor girls end up married to old men or taken on as second wives. This system has produced healthy mothers for the nation. Chitra, the mill worker, says she told her parents after six months that the work was making her sick and she wanted to quit. She says her family told her to hold on to the job a little longer, so Chitra says she just went to work and didn't bring up the subject again. Ramesh from the NGO Save. Says there have been times when parents collude with the mills. The girls were uh, uh, running away from the hostel to their、uh, native place, and the parents bring them back. So that is one、uh, issues we are trying to address at the community level to change their mindset also, or at least improve the lives of the girls one by one. One of Save's partners intervened in Chitra's case. They persuaded Chitra to quit the mill and go back to school. She lost all the money the mill had withheld from her paychecks. Chitra says her parents have agreed to sell some of their land to come up with her dowry. For the world, I'm Michael May.